This is the first podcast about Africa, and it is going to deal mostly with the trip to and time spent in South Africa. Please join us in listening to the remarkable story from the life and times of Michael Butler. In this podcast series, you'll be hearing stories from the primary themes of Michael Butler's life and memoirs. Politics, polo, theater, and love. Please subscribe via iTunes so you don't miss a single podcast. And we'll see you on the other side. Christmas in uh, 1948, I came up from uh, Colorado, where I was at the university, and spent Christmas with Dad at Oak Brook. Bill Lear, the jet man and the fellow who had the big recording business, came in with a friend of his called Reynolds, who owned the Ballpoint Pen Company, which is a very hot item in those days. Uh, Reynolds was planning a trip to go to Tibet. I wanted to go very much and inveigled myself in with Lear and so forth and so on. But father decided he wanted to go. He wanted to practice a new aerial high-speed camera, which he had. And so I was out. It really sort of made me angry. And I had... uh, some money, in fact, $10,000 that I had received for not smoking until I was 21. And so I decided right on the cusp of all of these events that I was going to go to Africa. I always wanted to do it. And so I made my plans and departed immediately. I conned the University of Colorado into allowing me to make this trip on the basis that I would prepare a paper describing uh, what I had done, where I'd been, and so forth and so on. Thus, on the 18th of February, I sailed on a freighter, the SS African Planet. I had been at Abercrombie and Fitch, the old original Abercrombie and Fitch beforehand, Pickered up an East, very big Eastman 16 millimeter camera, a 375 Magnum, and a 270 Mannlicher Johnson sporting rifle, and a 45 automatic pistol. I organized, I must say, through Dad, who was by this time a bit ashamed of what he had sort of bumped me off of, and that I would uh, get a station wagon and a wooden station wagon was put on the next boat for Cape Town. So I had quite a trip. One of the things I bought was clay pigeons and hand traps so we could shoot on the boat to get ourselves in shape for what would be a big safari in Africa. There's a man called Arch Obler who made movies and television and who uh, entertained all of us by doing a movie while we were on board. I was the prop man. Also, it was a Sir John Winter, who was the head of Westinghouse, he was a Norwegian, the head of Westinghouse in South Africa. One of the things that happened was that there was a, a joke cable 
put on my desk which said that we had been wiped out. And I began to think, my God, everything is gone. Uh, I was no longer wealthy. What was I going to do? I was going to be poor, but I would be free. Maybe what I would do is wind up staying in South Africa, which seems to have a great future for young people. After spending a night with these thoughts about what my future was going to bring, I was advised that this had been a joke, maybe not a good taste. But anyway, we spent a great evening discussing capitalism on the boat. Then finally, after a very pleasant trip, the famous Table Mountain came into view and we saw Cape Town, which was sort of covered over by fog in a very peculiar, beautiful way. It was an incredible sight and I really loved it. I then found out that my hotel reservations had been screwed up and there was nothing available at any good hotel. I wound up being put up by Baron Theodore Roth, who was very kind and I spent time with when I was there. The major occasion of most of my stay in Cape Town was at the Kenilworth Racecourse, where I was given privileges of a steward. I got to know Thurston Holland Martin, who was the member of the Martin family, Martin's Bank, one of the great private banks in England, and also Theo and Lavinia de Klerk, who were deeply involved in racing. Cape Town, I sort of found it very much like Denver, but with an ocean. Uh, and the people were just about as pleasant. Uh, it was basically sort of a small town at that time. Uh, I met a very attractive girl called Sylvia McRuder at a ball and spent time with her. And then Pauline Vogelpool with an introduction from Tyrone Power. Unfortunately, she didn't stay there very long and had to go on to Switzerland. I spent a lot of time at the racetrack and also doing other things with Punch Barlow, Captain C.S. Barlow. He was the head of the Polo Association and was a very famous individual in South Africa. Uh, Punch was spending most of his time at his estate of Ferkeliken, which was had about 8,000 acres and which was one of the most beautiful show places in all of Africa. It was an incredibly attractive place in sort of a very formal Dutch colonial type of architecture. I think at one times it had belonged to General, or I guess it was Field Marshal Schmutz, who had been one of the most powerful people in Africa. I went to Lambert Bay and the famous Guana Island, which was absolutely fascinating area of seeing how a great deal of the organic fertilizer was taken from this island Punch Barlow was 
I guess one would say a bit of a naughty boy, and sometimes he was carrying on a, an affair with a, a married woman who was a pretty well-known, pretty famous person in her own right. And I, I sort of became a beard at different times being involved in this. Uh, but he was a very special person. Nobody who ever met him would ever forget him. I went on to Johannesburg and spent a lot of time at the Rand Club, the Ananda Club, and with polo, uh, where they were playing it on a skin field. I didn't think very much of that, but uh, Barlow and the others kept saying, can we do have a match between uh, the United States and South Africa? And I said I would do what I could to make it work. Johannesburg is a very interesting town, very rough, a lot of new money, mining town, was sort of a British overlay. It was Chicago, uh, you can imagine 60 years ago, or probably one would say 60 years previous to that. Anyway, it was an interesting town. I spent a lot of time with the Earl of Warwick, uh, whom I got to know quite well, and then met also John Tunstall, the director, who was going to do a film in the Belgian Congo. Uh, so we decided to get together. I had an automobile, and uh, he had a, a very good cameraman, and so we decided to leave for southern Rhodesia, and we drove from Joburg to Victoria Falls. Uh, pretty good asphalt roads, corrugated at times, bumps, potholes, things like that, but it was basically pretty good. And then we arrived at Victoria Falls, awe-inspiring. They used to call it the smoke that thunders. Please subscribe via iTunes so you don't miss a single podcast. And we'll see you on the other side.